0: So, as the uh, video intro said, we're in a series, actually it's my privilege to tie up this series or finish this series today, Fruit That Remains. As you know, we've been looking at Galatians 5 that says the fruit of the Spirit or evidence of our lives walking in step with God is love, joy, peace, patience, etc., etc. Today we're going to look at a pest. A pest that looks to munch this fruit, that looks to hinder this fruit. If you remember a few weeks ago or several weeks ago, I I did part two in this series. We looked at love and we looked at this word agape love, which is a strong, robust, steadfast love. A love actually demonstrated best in the person of Jesus. We see this agape love pinned to a wooden cross that says, my life for your life. So today we're going to look at the opposite of this steadfast, robust love. Um, And you know what? Before we we get into it, God God not only wants us to live in this love, live knowing that we are surrounded by this beautiful Saviour's love, but he wants us to now extend this love to other people. But there's a problem, there's a pest that will look to munch this fruit. And the pest that we're going to look at is fear. Yes, yeah, a, a sombre topic this morning, but it's an important one because I believe fear is the very opposite of love. Fear is the very opposite of love. So if you're taking notes, the the title for today is Freedom from Fear. You know, God, our incredible dad, our incredible loving daddy in heaven. You know, when you said Richard, you know, for me I'm still on this journey, as we all are, of knowing him as father knowing him more more and more as dad, and even the phrase, calling him dad, you know, sometimes I feel totally irreverent doing it. But I want my kids to call me dad. I want them to call me pups. I want them to call me intimate phrases that they know that there's an intimate connection between us. And I believe that our loving, perfect, incredible dad in heaven wants to liberate us He wants to liberate his kids. He wants his children to live in the fullness of what Jesus purchased at the cross. Do you know the full reality of what Jesus won for us at the cross? If we could have it all in one go, we would explode. Because it's immense. It's eternal. Not only have we been washed new, but we've been welcomed home. And we've been welcomed home to enjoy this incredible father. Our incredible older brother, Jesus as well. Listen, some verses are going to spring up on the um, screen behind me. 1 John, chapter 4, 18 and 19 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I love that. Just the first bit of that verse, There is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love... And Phil referred to this, we love because he first loved us. That's the reason why we can live in this agape love, because he first loved us. You know, one thing that's certain in life, friends, is that we will experience fear. That's a certainty. Stuff we go through in life means that we will live... At times, we will be filled with anxiety, we will be filled with worry, and we will be fearful. You only need to live long enough to experience that. Anyone here experienced fear before? Really, just 10 of you. Amazing. We will all experience fear. God's more than aware of this because he knows us inside out. Plus, we live in a a fractured world. Oh man, this, this world is totally busted, isn't it? You only need to look at the news and realize that this world is full of fear. This world is full of fear, how we react to each other, how we respond. We're we're fearful beings at times if we're not careful. And you know, God has prepared our hearts for this. In the Gospels, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. So in this life, friends, we will have trouble. But Jesus' promise to you is, but take heart because he has overcome the world. So he prepares humanity for it. So the reality is we will experience it, but our hearts can be prepared. And that's the journey we're going to go on through this message. It's all about fear can either control us or we can control it. 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love, and of self-control. Why don't you just look at those, that one verse for a moment? Because that's what God has given you. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. My peace I give you. In Romans 8, Sarah refers to Romans 8 as her happy place, doesn't she? says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And this word fear means terror and panic. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. And by this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. You see, his, his children, I, I wholeheartedly believe that he wants us to live in freedom. And so many of us carry these rucksacks full of rocks and these rocks are fear. We fear what people think. We fear the future. We fear the past. There's all sorts of fears that we carry around. And I believe that God wants to just gently just take away that rucksack. Sometimes he wants to rip it from us. Do you know, fear will paralyze us if we don't deal with it. It will. It will cripple us it will actually, it will completely immobilize us for live, from living in actually what God has planned and purposed for our lives. You know, he has an incredible plan for your life, friend. I'm trying to look at the whites of your eyes. He has a plan for your life. And it's an incredible plan. And fear will look to cripple us from this plan. I believe as well that it's the enemy's schemes, actually, to blind us, to trap us in fear. If he can hold us in fear, then that will immobilise us as well. And one of the things he wants to blind us from is uh, two things actually: is the character of God. He, through fear, will will miss what the nature and character of God is, and we'll 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 be blinded to see who we are in Him as well. The Bible clearly states that our fight, our fight, isn't against flesh and blood but it's against the principalities and powers in this dark world. So scripture tells us that there's a war going on and it's actually happening behind the backdrop, behind the curtain. It's happening behind the scene, backstage. And it's a war that's raging 24-7. An old pastor of ours used to say, the Christian life isn't like a fight, it is a fight. is isn't like a war, it is a war. It isn't like a battle, it is a battle. It is a battle, and there's a massive contrast between good and evil. You know, the devil in our days, the enemy in our days, he's portrayed as this this cheeky little chap that will just look to trip us up as we're walking down the road. Now, this is the contrast, good and evil. Evil equals the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his schemes. That's what he comes to do. He comes to completely steal, kill, and destroy things in your life. He doesn't just wear these cute little horns. He's crouching at the door, the Bible tells us, looking to pounce. So evil equals steal, kill and destroy. Contrast good. John 10.10, Jesus says, this is why I've come, to give you life and life in all its fullness. Some translations say in abundance. There's the contrast. You can be robbed of everything or God wants you to live in this abundance and I don't mean, hey Andy, his Ferrari, Lamborghinis, his, I believe he gives abundance. But the abundance he wants is this peace, internal peace in our hearts that we truly see who we are and what he's done for us. So I want us to quickly look at what fear does, how it makes us feel, how, how it creeps into our lives. And I'm, if you'll humor me, uh, or if you'll let, allow me, I'm going to share a lot of my uh, my own story with you. So this is, this is how, it, how it works out in my life. There's, there's probably four doors that have opened up in my life where fear has crept in. There's probably more, but four major. Door one was a broken family. Door two was a nasty accident I had. Door three was a loss of a dear friend. And door four is the fear of being ill. Let me just unpack that for you. This is what happens in my, my poor little brain, in my little world. Broken family equals fear equals it'll happen again. That's how it works. So my family were fractured. My my parents divorced. I've not grown up knowing a father. So the fear equals that'll happen again. So this is how I protect myself from it. This is the result of this fear. I've got to work jolly hard to make you like me. I've got to work really hard to build a friendship with you just in case you as well, John, run out on me. And I know you won't, bro. So that's how the fear manifests itself. That's how it works. So I want you to like me, Ben, so I'm going to work hard to make you like me just in case you run out. It's a lie. It's a lie. I had a horrific skateboard accident when I was 16. So horrific that my foot ended up on my shoulder. Yeah, sorry about that. It was horrible. I was in hospital for three months. I had to learn how to walk again. So it's a a rational fear. You know, things, things. I don't want to be injured again. You know these, but fear equals looking at a fellow skateboarder. Fear equals man, that's going to happen again that might happen again. So this is how I manage the fear. So the fear presents itself like this. I will do a risk assessment as I'm stepping off a curb. (laughs) Genuinely, before I sneeze, what are the external factors that could slip a disc? I will risk assess everything and everyone. I will wrap my children up in cotton wool just in case it happens again. It's debilitating and it's exhausting if we live in it. This is where the enemy wants to trap us. He wants us to stay in this place where he says, danger, it will happen again. Another one, the other door, the other avenue that let fear in. Um, We lost a dear friend of ours seven years ago. It will be this May. My first friend, we were friends when we were 12. Best friends, our our mums are best friends. He was like family, really. Got a phone call out of the blue to say he was killed in a traffic accident. Man, our world was turned inside out in a split second. So fear equals it'll happen again. And actually, this is how it presented itself. Man, it's happened to us. The police came to our door. I've seen this on films. I've seen this happen to other people. But suddenly, it's happened on our doorstep so it'll happen again. So this is how I've defended myself. This is how the fear externally manifests itself. This is what you do to control it. You say, man, I'm not gonna do anything too risky. I'm gonna make sure the kids are safe. So any, any phone call now with my mum, when my mum phones, my first response, the first thing that goes in on in my heart is, man, what's happened? it was my mum that first phoned me. Whenever M phones, if I'm not careful, the fear is what's happened to the kids. Any loud bang, any noise. Lastly, the fear of being sick. Now, I was fearful of even putting this in here, because this is, to me, it feels like a bit of a silly one, and me and Phil often have a, have a joke about this one. I'm fearful of being sick, physically being sick, and I realized where it came from. When I was about four, I was at my nan's neighbor's house and I put a little set of steps against her sink. And at her sink, I got a little glass and I filled it with bleach and I grated some soap into this glass and I put some sif, you know that stuff that you use the bleach to get stuff off sinks? I put some sif in there as well and I swirled it around and I said to my poor little four-year-old self, in one in one. necked it. And I was so ill that my mum was laughing because I was literally throwing up bubbles. <laughs> it was just like a walking bubble machine. There's bubbles, bubbles everywhere. And I realised fear equals bubbles out of my mouth. That'll happen again. And I know no one really likes it. Anyone who goes, man, I love being sick. We'll pray for you afterwards, because that's hard. So I do everything to uh, cope with this. It's kind of OCD-like tendencies, genuinely, where I'll, I'll be super clean, I'll wash everything, I'll watch what people cook. Genuinely, I am terrified about this thing again. But it's a lie, you know. I, if I'm not careful, there's this door that's opened up that will trap me to think, man, I'm going to live um, crippled within with fear. And my Father in Heaven doesn't want me to live like that. And your father in heaven doesn't want you to live like that. So our fears know how to attach themselves to everything. I've got to please you to be accepted. I better not do that just in case I break my leg. I better not eat that just in case I'm ill. Listen, if you drink bleach, you'll be ill. But I think the fears exasperate it. It magnifies it. And ultimately, living with fear, we actively look to control things. When you are filled with fear, you become a control freak. You look to control every situation and circumstance you're in because you are suddenly turned into Mr. or Mrs. Health and Safety in everything you're in. You're looking like, I've got to control this situation just in case that happens. Every circumstance and situation, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we control it. Because you see, fear is ultimately a control issue. And we think to ourselves, man, if I control this, then I've, I've got it. And if I don't, then I'm, I've lost the plot. And if I, if I don't control this, then anything might happen. Friends, God doesn't want us to live like this. He genuinely doesn't want us to live like this. It's exhausting. It is emotionally exhausting. He wants us to feel a real sense of emotional and internal rest where we're like, man, I'm sunbathing. Internally. He wants us to feel loved and secure. So let me ask you some questions. What what are you fearful of? Just let Holy Spirit tenderize your heart right now. He'll he'll flash a torch into your heart and he'll he'll reveal it. What are you fearful of? What causes you most emotional unrest? What cripples you inside? Let me ask you another question. What, What do you do to control your environment? To make sure that doesn't happen what lies have you listened to where is he looking to steal kill and destroy where does god want to bring abundance to you what lies are you believing let me share a dream with you i had as we transition into hope this is just to highlight fear and highlight what goes on i had a dream about three years ago I was in my mum's old flat and I was walking into um, the lounge and there was this bay, we had a bay window, but there were some really big brown curtains. And on top of the curtains, I could see this thing moving, something rustling behind the curtains. And as I pulled the curtain back, there was this big brown chicken sat on the curtain pole and no one was doing anything about the chicken. It was vivid, this dream. And I said to my mum, there's a chicken up there. And she was like, yeah, just ignore it. And I was like, but there's a chicken up there. And I was trying to get other people's attention. Why is there a chicken in mum's place? And people were like, just ignore the chicken. I was like, but I can't ignore the chicken. I'm going to get the chicken down. So I picked up a bit of newspaper, I think it was, on the, on the coffee table and I knocked the chicken off. I whacked the chicken off the uh, curtain pole. Um, and I, there was this... There was this um, Uh, vivid in the dream. It was just making me feel uneasy. I was was shooing the chicken down the corridor. I was going, come on, chicken, out you go. And I was whacking the chicken on the backside. Come on, chicken, out, out, out. And I was saying, out you go, chicken, down the stairs, down the corridor, out through the front door. And I said, out, chicken, out, chicken. As I woke up, I was like, man, that was weird. (laughs) You know those times where you're like, I have no clue, just weird. And I got into the shower and I generally genuinely stood in the shower just, what was that? Like a chicken, a chicken. And I was whacking a chicken with newspaper. And as I got out of the shower and I turned into our bedroom, genuinely felt the Holy Spirit say, it's time to drive the chicken out. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know those moments where you know, man, I know exactly what God's referring to right now. In that moment, I knew the chicken he was referring to is fear, and it was like, berk, berk, chicken. And the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time to drive the chicken out. So how do we drive the chicken out? How do we fight this chicken out? How do we bash the chicken down the corridor, down through the stairs, and out through the front door, and shut the door behind it? How do we drive the chicken out where it says perfect love drives the chicken out? Perfect love is what drives the chicken out. What drives fear out is perfect love and perfect love is a person. You see, what our fears need is a presence. What our calamity needs is a presence. What our confusion needs is a presence. What our worry and anxiety needs is a presence and a presence far, far, far more powerful and greater than any fear we could ever carry. And this presence is a person. And this person is Jesus. See, Jesus is known as perfect love. Love has a name. And it's Jesus. You see, he is the one that drives the chicken out of our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I speak that over every life in this room. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom for you, friend. There's freedom for me. Where he is, there's freedom. Whatever your fear might be, the answer is always the same. It's not more books. It's not more friends. It's a person. And it's the person of Jesus. It's always the same. In and through it all, what we need to know is, man, God's with me. God's with me. Even in this, God is with me. Even in this, God is with me. You can say that over your life. Even in this, God is with me. When I'm shaken inside, God is with me. When I feel like I can hardly breathe because my chest is, God is with me. God is with me. What an amazing reality, right? Wherever I go, he goes. God is with me. Psalm 23, famous psalm. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because he leads me beside quiet waters. He he leads me beside still and quiet places to restore my soul. But there's this beautiful verse in verse four that says, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why can he say that? The very next statement. Because you're with me, God. Because God's with me. That's why I don't need to fear evil, because God's with me. That's why I don't need to fear sickness, because God's with me. That's why I don't need to fear the future of my children, because God's with us. That's why you don't need to fear the future of your husband, because God's with you. Psalm 118, I love the psalms. These songs, beautiful It says, in my anguish, Psalm 118, five and seven, in my anguish, I cried to the Lord. And I know we've done that, right? You've done that. In your anguish, you know when you've cried out to the Lord. But listen to this, and he answered me. He answered by setting me free, and he set me free because I know the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? There's this big question with a huge question mark. What on earth can man do to me? Because the Lord is with me. He is my helper. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in times of trouble. Do you know, if you've only got that verse for the rest of your life, hold on to it. God is with me. He's my refuge and strength and he's ever-present even in fear, even in trouble. Psalm 139, David was able to get to this place where even in battle, you know, sometimes we read the Psalms and we go, oh, they're just lovely songs. Uh, They were written when people were in such anguish and turmoil. Sometimes they were written in victory, but very often it was through absolute fear because the enemy was surrounding God's people. So David was able to write, Man, he knows every word on my tongue before I say anything. He knows every thought in my head. He knows when I stand up, when I sit down. He knows when I'm coming or going. And he made me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He, he made me in the secret place. So I want to say that to you. You're known by God. You're not an accident. Some of you have been told you're an accident. Man, who told you that? You've been secretly made, wove together in your mother's womb. And then David says, where on earth can I go from you, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I row out into a boat, into the furthest side of the sea, oh, you're already there. David knew in the old covenant, we live in a better covenant now because of Christ. But David in an old covenant knew And wherever I am, God is. So that's why he's an ever-present help. Because he's, he's he's here with me right now. The promise throughout scripture, God would position himself with his people, always and forever. I nearly broke into song then. He would position himself with his people. Again and again, he's told, do not be afraid. Joshua, fear not, because I'm with you. Moses, fear not, I'm with you. We can go on and on through through the Old and New Testament. God's shout over his people is, I am always with you. Jesus' promise, the end of Matthew, he says, go to his disciples, make disciples of all nations. And at the end of that dialogue, and know this, that I'm with you always to the end of the age. He said to his first followers, and he says the same to us now. It's good that he's going. He said to his first followers, and we, we live in the good of it now, Jesus said, it's good that I'm going away. You can imagine them going, what on earth are you talking about? Man, we love you. You've just been healing people. You just raised this little girl from the dead. What do you mean it's good that you're going? It's good that I'm going because I'm going to send one just like me. The spirit of truth, the counsellor, the comforter, the one that comes and walks alongside, the, the encourager, and he's going to be with you always, everywhere, forevermore. He's going to be just like me, Jesus said. That's why they could go, oh, wow. And then, then we know we live in the good of it, the Holy Spirit being poured out. So we now know God's with us by the Holy Spirit. You see, God's given us all we need to tackle this pest called fear. And it's him. I know I've majored the point I want to come at it from all different angles. God's given you, friend, everything you need to fight the pest of fear in your life. And it's him. You know, David said, in your presence is fullness of joy and eternal pleasures at your right hand. He didn't say that when he'd just won the bingo. He said that when he was in the heart of war. You know, God, there's fullness of joy in your presence. And you can speak that over your life. Even in this, when I'm in your presence, God, there's joy. There's joy. So what needs to define us is him. What needs to set us free is him and what he says over our lives. You see, because we know he's present, there's this brilliant phrase in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. Because you know he's present right by your side where he lives within you. This phrase, cast all your anxieties, the the literal definition of that is let them just roll off. So effectively, because you know he's with you, Neil, you can go, Jesus, I can't carry this. You can take those bags. Because you know he's with you, you can say, man, I'm not having this. Jesus, you need to carry it. I cannot carry this. Roll them off. Roll them onto him. His shoulders are much broader than ours. So the goal in it all is that we learn how to keep our hearts healthy. You know, fear is not, is, is not something we hold at bay going, Jesus is with me, but I'm holding it at bay. I'm trying to stand behind the door. We keep our hearts healthy in and through it all. In and through it all. And we've looked at this time and time again, but it's really where it all springs from. Proverbs 4.23 says keep your heart with all vigilance, all determination, all diligence because from it flows the springs of life. You see the key to guarding our heart is keeping it healthy and the key to keeping our heart healthy is getting the right stuff in it. If I fill my heart with fear, fear will come out. But if I fill my heart with something else, that will come out. So if we don't dictate what goes in, then something or someone else will. They just will. And we know time and time again, we've done this. Phil and Sarah have helped us with this. Banning shared a little while ago, it's our responsibility to steward our own hearts. It's not my responsibility to steward yours. It's not yours to steward mine. We have been entrusted with our own lives. And somehow walking in partnership with God means that I take responsibility for my life and I dictate what goes in and what stays in and what comes out. There's this great quote by Bill Johnson. who says He said, the heart and what we do in stewarding that one place determines the outcome of our lives. Isn't that great? The heart and what we do in stewarding that one place determines the rest or the course of our lives. You see, fear is a heart issue. Fear doesn't just disappear by saying a few nice prayers. I want to be super careful how I say this because I believe in prayer. The Bible tells us that prayer is effective and powerful. But I think fear, we need to treat it much like temptation. That you don't just pray temptation away, you learn how to fight. You don't just pray fear away, you learn how to stand under it and fight because fear will come. Fear will come at different angles and at different seasons and in different ways. Like Phil brilliantly shared last week, how are we fruitful in every season of life? By learning how to steward our hearts. We get our hearts right when we retrain the way we think. You know, Romans 12, right at the start, Romans 12 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be transformed by thinking differently. That's what true repentance looks like, that we would change the way we think. So that's why, the way my life, I know, I know it's probably true for you, I know that's how my life has changed, when I think differently. Because it always starts here. What starts here then sets up a belief system. And then what, how we believe is actually how we behave. So God helps us think differently, but it helps when we make internal and intentional choices. Like inside we go, man, I'm choosing to believe this. I know I don't feel it, but I'm choosing let me give you a quick example. I knew a guy once. He sadly died a few years ago, but he was a fascinating character. He had schizophrenia, and, and this this horrible illness robbed him for many, many years. 30 years he had it. He was a beautiful guy, just fascinating guy to be around. If anyone's in a beautiful mind, he was much like the character of Russell Crowe in that film. Just a super intelligent guy, got, got just his life was dictated by this horrible illness. And he said, this is how it plays out, Sam. He said, he was continually, 24-7, he heard two voices. In one ear, in the right ear, it's a good voice. Crystal clear, good voice, telling him how great he was. And in the left ear, it was a horrible voice all sorts of expletives and shouting at him and telling him how hopeless he was. And if he looked to the left, just down into the left-hand corner, he saw a horrible image that would shout and swear at him. And I said, oh, David, man, how did you cope with that? He said, I chose not to listen. And I chose not to look. And he made it really simplistic, but I have no idea how he he battled that. But he said, "I, I chose not to look to the left. And there's something profound about that. The Bible tells us, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Keep looking. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Because sometimes when you look to the left, it'll go, "Ooh, scary. Everything's going to go wrong. Because the enemy's shouting the whole time down the sidelines. Stop looking at Jesus. He won't help you. You've got to choose not to look to the left. You've got to choose not to listen to those harmful voices or look to speak in. And what we meditate on is actually what will creep into our hearts and then that will dictate how we live. So what we choose and then we need to think about how we replace that. So it's not just choosing because that can sound like we're doing it in our own effort again. But we don't just choose, we then replace. We replace it with something far more precious, and that's truth. Do you know, we need to understand how powerful this is. This is known as a sword in our hands, and it is more powerful than you can ever imagine. The Bible itself says it is living and active. One old theologian says it's got arms and feet and it will run after you. It will. This is what we need to fight with. This is how we fight fear back. We fight it with God's word. We fight it with God's promises. All of his promises are what? Yes and amen. Like we've been singing, all of his promises are yes and amen. So this is how we fight. We get to know his beautiful word. We get to know what it says over our lives. We get to know what it says about us. We get to know what it says about him. We get to know what it says about our future. And do you know what? Our future is really bright. Our future is eternal glory with Jesus. And that's what we fight with. And we've got to learn to fight. You know, Jesus modelled this to us through temptation. We've got a principle here that he didn't just kind of hold the enemy up with his own state. He, When the enemy looked to lie to him or, or kind of persuade him with promises, what did Jesus do? He said, no, I'm not going to choose that because it's written this. He learned God's word, he knew God's word, he was God's word, but he was able in the face, and this was one of the most vulnerable times for him, just coming out of the desert where he's been fasting, and then suddenly the enemy, and he's able to say, no, this is what's written, this is what's written. And I'm gonna finish with a few thoughts, and then I'm gonna invite the band up in a minute. This is a good habit that we can get ourselves into. We can speak truth over our lives. Just like the psalmists, Psalm 42, the psalmist was able to say to himself, speak to yourself is what I'm trying to say. And speak to yourself with this, with God's truth. He was able to say, why are you downcast? Why are you cast down within me? Why are you disturbed within me? He then says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Psalm 116, be at rest once more, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Psalm 27, 1, this is a good verse to speak over your life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Man, whatever you're going through, the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. We need to stay and stand rooted in our identity and we learn who we are through this. We learn who we are through this. This will tell you who you are. You are eternally beloved son or daughter of God because of Jesus. And that will never be robbed from you. You know, Jeremiah in Lamentations, you look at Lamentations 3, Jeremiah who wrote it is going on this complete spin of saying, man, my life is over. My life is helpless and hopeless. But then there's this turn and he says, but this is what I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's what he was able to say. This is what I call to mind. So when you're on your own, in the shower, wherever you are, and you're feeling hopeless and fearful, you can say, but this is what I call to mind. And because of this, I have hope. Because of who he is, I have hope. Because he is with me, I have hope because he will never leave me nor forsake me. I have hope because of what Romans says that neither fear nor death nor, nor life nor death nor angels nor demons nor principalities or powers the future, the past, nothing in all creation can separate me from his love, nothing ever then I will not fear. I will not fear. Shall we stand together? Can I invite the, the band up to join me? Just as they're coming up, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to praise him, I guess. And in and through it all, we learn who we are. We learn what he said about us. We learn how to cultivate truth in our lives. We, we remember who's with us, but we can live a life that is thankful and full of praise. Philippians 4, if you've still got your notepad open, write these verses down. Philippians 4, 4 and 7, it says, rejoice in the Lord always I say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident because the Lord is at hand because the Lord's at hand do not be anxious or fearful or worried about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus You know, we're going to sing, we're going to just lift all this up to God. There's some yellow um, bits of card here. And this is what I do. I'm just going to invite you afterwards, not as we're worshipping, don't worry, it's not this kind of come to the front and do this. I carry some scriptures around with me. I carry them in my Bible. Sometimes I fold it, put it in my back pocket for when I'm on the train, on the bus, wherever I am. And if I'm feeling fearful or worried, I can pull something out and I can speak truth over my life. We've got to learn, friends, how to fight with this word. There are so many Christians that don't know how to feed themselves on this word. No one else will feed you. You need to feed yourself on the living and abiding and perfect, precious word of God. So I'm going to leave these cards just at the front here as we close. And I'm just going to invite you afterwards. Come grab one. And across the week, just speak it over your life. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is who I am. This is who I am. We need to know who God is that he is a good father and we need to know that we are absolutely adored by him for he did not give us a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but he gave us the spirit of adoption as sons and by whom we cry father so right now father I pray would you release this spirit of adoption over us I pray for today that whatever we're walking through However this pest of fear is looking to attack, we would know in our heart of hearts, man, I'm loved by the Father. I'm eternally set free. I'm eternally loved. I'm eternally precious. I'm eternally known. I'm God, you're eternally with me. Wherever I go, you go. So right now, Father, I pray for your precious spirit to come flooding in and invading our hearts. And I pray, God, would you love the fear right out of us?